Well, it's about that time of the year under, under normal circumstances. Uh, in the month of May, a lot of people are looking forward to summer blockbuster movies. And uh, moviegoers will typically have at least one or two picked out. Uh, opened up last week with a question, and so I'll poll the audience. And uh, Smith family, if you'll refrain, because I know you know the answer to this. We'll give others a chance to answer. Uh, what is considered the first summer blockbuster? Anybody want to take a guess? I'll give you a hint. 1975. Jaws. What? Jaws. Jaws. Yeah, that's it. You read lips well. <laughs> My wife was looking over at him going, Jaws. Jaws. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I figured somebody might say Star Wars. Star Wars was certainly a huge blockbuster. It came out two years later in 1977. And for any of you who happened to uh, see our video for children's worship for this week, uh, uh, superhero movies were mentioned. And uh, we, my family, we've been to see lots of superhero movies over the years. And uh, that is certainly a, a popular genre of movies in, in the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years especially. And lots of summer blockbusters have focused on superheroes, men and women who are capable of doing extraordinary things. And God's Word is full of men and women who are capable of doing extraordinary things. And unlike uh, the summer blockbusters, uh, in God's Word, it, it really happened. Uh, it's not fiction. It's not someone's wonderful, creative imagination. Uh, it is reality. And, uh, and I want to begin in, uh, in the book of Acts. Uh, chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And so uh, Luke is the author of the book of Acts, and he, is, he mentions the name Theophilus. We really don't know who Theophilus is, but he's, he's saying in my former book, and he's, he's referring to the gospel of Luke and how in, in, Luke's, in, in his gospel, how he explained uh, the, everything that Jesus did and, and taught. Uh, and that now he is uh, starting this other book of, of Scripture. And, uh, and so 
uh, the book of Acts serves as kind of that history book of the early New Testament church. And so, uh, and so he has Jesus uh, explaining to his apostles, uh, stay in Jerusalem and there is a promised gift that you're going to receive. John baptized with water, but uh, you're going to be also baptized with the Holy Spirit. And of course, then comes this question. In verse 6, they, they gathered around him and they said, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Because they still didn't quite understand Jesus' ministry. And we know from reading the gospel accounts that the apostles ask these kind of questions over and over. They give us, they give us indicators that, that that's what they were looking for, is that Jesus was going to, Jesus was going to come when, the, when they were all those years, all those centuries waiting for the Messiah to come, the Savior, the Son of God that the way he was going to save them was not death on a Roman cross, but that he was going to save them with power, that he was going to liberate them from Rome. And so there are different times in the Gospel accounts where they, they, the apostles kind of indicate a misunderstanding of Jesus' ministry. And then, of course, they, all that hope that they had <clears throat> had to be d- diminished uh, when Jesus is arrested, stands trial, and then is crucified on a cross. And then he's in the tomb. And so Jesus liberating Israel from Rome had to be the furthest thing from their minds. But as Luke explains here in the early verses of Acts chapter 1, then Jesus does what they didn't expect him to do. He conquered death. Even though he told them at least three times that he was going to raise from the dead, and even though they had seen you know, the, the widow's son at Nain be raised from the dead, and even though they had seen uh, Jairus' daughter be raised from the dead, even though they had seen Lazarus in the tomb for four days, be called out of the tomb. Take those grave clothes off, he said, and let him go free. And I've always likened that to our baptism. Because until the point that we're baptized into Christ, we're wearing the grave clothes. And at that moment, we are set free from what Paul calls in his letters the the law of sin and death. And so, and so still though, and, and it's easy for us to look back and be critical, I'm not sure that any of us would have been any better at being apostles than what the original 12 were. I, I, I truly believe that. Uh, because they, they, they did not expect him to be resurrected, for him to walk out of that tomb on what we call Easter. And so and so he does. And so then now he's back and he's been with them for weeks. And so and so now 
it, obviously it has rekindled that idea that it is now, Lord, when you are going to, when you're going to raise up an army, is now, Lord, when we're going to go to war. And uh, I think I think some of them probably had, you know, this uh, sort of David's mighty men uh, idea in their head. In Second Samuel, chapter twenty-three, there is this list of uh, mighty warriors and uh, known as uh, David's mighty warriors, or some Bibles that have a heading there that says David's mighty men. But uh, in 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 20, it says, Beniah, son of Jehodiah, a valiant fighter from Kabzeel, performed great exploits. He struck down Moab's two mightiest warriors. He also went down into a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion. Now, I don't know how impressive... Moab's two mightiest warriors were. But anybody who will go down into a pit, snowy day or not, that will go down into a pit to kill a lion, you know, it doesn't say a lion cub. So as I read this, I'm thinking this is full grown, this is full grown big boy lion right here. And so he's going down into the pit. You know, there's a pit. Hey, wonder what's in there. Uh, not something you would hear me say. Uh, I'm just not, I'm, I'm curious about a lot of things in life, but uh, I see the dark pit and I'm not curious about what's in there. But he, he, we don't know if he chased it in there, he followed it in there, but it just says he also, kind of an afterthought, by the way, he also went down into a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion. I'm not sure the significance of the fact that it was snowing. But uh, often in Scripture, when we're told those tidbits of information, it, it, is, it bears some, uh, some importance. I'll have to study that at some point. But it's those kind of people, I think, that kind of inspire the idea of superheroes, men and women who can do extraordinary things. And so, and so their idea is that Jesus is going to be like Benaiah, that he is going to be somebody who is so fierce that he is, is not to be trifled with, that he's going to raise up an army, he's going to liberate Israel from Rome, and uh, like someone who is capable of slaying a lion in a pit on a snowy day, that, uh, that he is going to conquer the people that they feel like have power over them and even oppress them at times. And yet, this is how Jesus responds in Acts chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by His own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So the first thing he says in response to this question about is, is this when you're going to um, restore the kingdom to Israel? In other words, is this Lord when we're going to be in power once again? 
Is this when we're going to get to be large and in charge on the world stage? And his answer is, well, no, honey. No. (laughs) Haven't you been paying attention? And so he says in his most eloquent way, it's not for you to know what the Father's up to. It's not for you to know uh, uh, the times and dates. You know, the Father is the authority. He's going to give you a gift. He is going to give you, and now Jesus defines part, part of this gift. He says you will receive power. But power to do what? And so... Then comes the explanation. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my... What's it say if you got your Bible in front of you? Witnesses. Now at that point, I can kind of just imagine a couple of shoulders kind of drooping a little bit. Really? Power to, power to witness? Yeah. Yeah. Not a word that we throw around too often these days. Maybe some churches still do. It's a word I heard a lot as a, as a child in the 70s and the early 80s. Oh, you know, we would talk about the importance of being a witness for God. That we would, we would witness to other people. But he's saying, you're going to get to be witnesses first in Jerusalem. Well... That's, that's where he told them to, to stay and hang around. So, so yeah, witnesses in the city of Jerusalem, okay. And then witnesses in Judea, he mentions. Okay, so we're not just going to stay in the city of Jerusalem. We're going to go out into the surrounding countryside. And we're going to be witnesses there too. But then he says the next thing. Witnesses in Samaria... That probably raised a few eyebrows in the group. Witnesses in Samaria, wait, you want us to go and be kind to that bunch of half-breeds that live up north of us? North of where we're standing? No. Really? Did you really just say Samaria? Yeah. And if you know the story of... of, uh, of God's people, there were rules in place. And there were a couple of the 12 tribes that lived in that middle section, south of Galilee, north of Judea, in Samaria. And it was a region that that the good Jewish, Jewish folks, when they had to travel from north to south, or from south to north, they wouldn't go through Samaria. They would go the long way around. They would, uh, they would even be known to, to cross the Jordan and go north and then go back across because they wanted to avoid Samaria. Because the people of those two tribes intermarried with the local population. They did what they were told not to do at some point. And so they only used a portion of the Hebrew Bible. 
And so they had a lot of the same beliefs, but they had some different beliefs. And actually in tonight's devotional, I'm going to be talking about Jesus and an encounter he had with someone in Samaria. But at this point, it's now like saying, wait, these people that we've avoided all this time, these people we've looked down upon, those people that, whose ancestors couldn't quite follow the rules that were set in place, we're supposed to go witness to them. Think about who in your life you don't have a lot of respect for. Think about who in your life might have wronged you. And yet Jesus is saying, no, go and witness to those folks too. And then he says, and then to the ends of the earth. Ends of the earth, wow, that sounds impressive. Wait a second. We don't get too far from here, Master. And there's a whole bunch of Gentiles out there. We're supposed to go and witness to the Gentiles? Well, yeah. As I always say in a moment like this, praise God they did. Amen. Speaking to a room full of Gentiles as a Gentile. And so, and so uh, it's this reminder that as children of light, as children who are supposed to reflect the love of God, we're not supposed to have enemies. If people choose not to love us, not to appreciate us, not to respect us, we can't do anything about that. But we are supposed to be people who forgive all wrongs. Yes, even the most detestable of wrongs. We're supposed to be people who don't hold grudges. We're supposed to be people who love everybody and who reflect God's love. Is that hard? Yeah. Nobody said it would be easy. God knew it wouldn't be easy. That's why He gave this gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, some would say that this power is that He's speaking to His apostles and so therefore the power He's speaking of is limited to the apostles. I disagree with that assessment because we turn the page and we look at Acts chapter 2. Now, uh, several weeks after Easter comes the celebration of Pentecost. And so once again, there is, uh, at least for the Jewish people, it would have been after their Passover, they come back, some of them will come back to Jerusalem for Pentecost, and so there is a crowd of people at hand. And beginning in verse 14 of chapter 2, you might have a heading in your Bible that says, Peter addresses the crowd. I'm not going to read Peter's entire sermon here, but I do want to pick it up at verse 29 of Acts chapter 2. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. 
Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. In other words, Peter is saying, this that I'm saying to you now is a result of the power of the Holy Spirit being within me. And so, uh, saying, you know, has poured out what you now see and hear. Verse 34, For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far, far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Now just last week, we read from Acts chapter 1, and it was in the upper room. They were crowded, probably not a whole lot of social distancing going on. In verse 15 of Acts chapter 1, it said, In those days Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120. So you've got 120 who have remained faithful, at least that's what it tells us. It doesn't specifically say this is all the believers, but it does say stood up among the believers. A group numbering 120, about 120. So now you've got the 12 because they've added to their number again, and, and you've got them preaching to this large audience at Pentecost. And now you've got Peter saying, when they say that they're cut to the heart, you know, you've, you've got him saying, this is what you do. Repent and be baptized. And he tells them that they too will receive the Holy Spirit. They too will receive this power. You will receive power, Jesus says. And so then the question is, and I'm aiming this at the baptized believers who will hear this message. Are we doing everything we can with this power? A week ago, I encouraged people if, you know, uh, maybe it's time to open up your home a little bit. Maybe it's time to invite some other people to join you. Well, I get it, it's Mother's Day, and so maybe you do have some family gatherings or some things like that going on. 
Today might not have been the ideal day, but we're going to be doing online worship for at least a few more weeks. And then hopefully we will be able to to come back together. But why not make the most of it until then? So I encourage you once again, and I would love to see pictures of some house churches. That would make for a cool video, wouldn't it, Kay? Yeah. We've had some great, a uh, couple of great videos with the church family and people holding up signs of encouragement that we're all in this together. Uh, be strong and courageous. Uh, love our church family. And we've now seen pictures, and if you haven't, uh, get on the YouTube channel and, and, and be sure and watch that. It's precious of uh, some of the children in our congregation. I say children. Uh, some of them are young adults. Uh, so, uh, But people uh, holding up signs and celebrating Mother's Day. And wouldn't it be great if we could have enough pictures that we could put together a short video of people uh, communing together, people having house church together, uh, not just your own biological family necessarily. Uh, maybe it's going to be uh, maybe it's going to be other people from within this body of Christ. Maybe it's going to be uh, some of your neighbors. And uh, how awesome would that be? Is that you you celebrate online worship with some other people? And I'll again issue that caveat. Uh, if you're someone whose immune system is compromised, you're not comfortable doing it, okay. But the vast majority of us don't fall into that category, I don't think. And so, if we can't even invite people in our own church family to come on over, how, how are we going to do witnessing to people to the ends of the earth? So I put that challenge before you. And it's not one that I just decided on a whim to put before you. It was truly laid on my heart this week in prayer. And so I encourage you to do that. Uh, the, the, the message is very clear. Uh, we are called to be witnesses. Some will witness to more than others. That's fine. But God has given us power to be witnesses. And so... This is not a time to let uh, past deeds, past sin get in the way of our Christian witness because God is loving and God is forgiving. He hurls our iniquities into the depths of the sea. Old Testament Scripture tells us. And so I encourage you, prepare yourself to be a better witness by celebrating, by worshiping together in the next few weeks until we can all come back together. And then maybe what stories we can tell of our time together. Wouldn't that be a wonderful, wonderful thing? We say we're a family. We hold up signs that we're a family. But now I'm calling you, God is calling you to act like a family. To act like people who love each other to start putting yourselves in position to experience deeper, uh, deeper sense of community and communion with one another. And for those of you who have not yet been baptized into Christ, then we invite you 
to do just what Peter says to do. That first, if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that you have a desire to be a new creation, then we can arrange for you to be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that you can begin this new walk, that you too can receive power. Peace be with you all.